Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. His eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Welcome to Bigfoot Hotspot Radio, Sasquatch Chronicles. I'm your host, Wes, along with my brother, Woody, and researcher, author, and friend, William Jeffy. Let's start the show. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bigfoot Hotspot for your first free downloadable book, and a 30-day trial. Told you about the guy that uh, sent me the email. How we need to... <laughs> he talked about how we need to... Uh, something like... how it, The title of the email was How to Grow Your Audience. And it was a Bigfoot researcher. And he said we need to start having more bigger names on the show. And uh, <laughs> coincidentally, his, his name was in the top 10 of who we need to have on the show. And I was just laughing. I was just like, really? You know, it's funny. I have, this is kind of a double thing here. I was just thinking, you know, that the show isn't, we didn't design it for, for promoting Bigfoot hunters necessarily. It's about getting people's stories out to the public. But then I thought, oh, wait a minute. It's our show, so I can, I can plug my books on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, by the way, if anybody wants to, to find my books, they're on Amazon.com, Notes from the Field, Track the North America Sasquatch. Haunted Valley and In Search of the Unknown. We get that asked once in a while, so I probably should say it more often, but that's where they are. It's funny, you know, when we first started the show, 
I remember when Woody and I first started it, the, one of the reasons why we started it was I was so tired of listening to the other Bigfoot shows. And if you go listen to the, all the other Bigfoot shows, they have the same person over and over and over and over again. And it's the same researcher on every show. You know, I just wanted to hear people's accounts like Woody and I's. I didn't really want to, I, I mean, I hate to sound like a dick. It's not like I can't, it's not like we couldn't get Bigfoot researchers. I'm sure we could, or, you know, maybe we couldn't, I don't know. But it, it's not, we're not really trying, you know what I mean? It's not really. Well, you know, and occasionally we do. I mean, like we've had, you know, Bear and Kumbo, Bob Garrett. You know, but and those that's guys probably are... better than than some of the people who are more well known out there. I'm, I'm uh, more than certain of that fact. Those guys are the black sheep of the big fit community, just like you and I. Yeah, well, you know, the people that got the big names this person is alluding to are really, in my opinion, full of hot air in most cases, and and really not worth our time to put on our show. Yeah, why not just send me an email and just say, hey, I'd like to be on your show. I don't need a breakdown yeah, right. of uh, <laughs> yeah, of the exactly. top ten information of the show and include your name in the top ten. Why not just say, "Hey, I like the show, fellas. I'd like to come on, and we'd have you on." You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's it's another one of those. You know, it's like some of the the current stuff out there where the people just, you know, their show is all about trying to convince the audience that they're they're somebody important. I got news for everyone. There's no one important in this in this community. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Including us, you know what I mean? It's like no one's That's really above anyone. Oh, yeah. You know, I've told people before, you know, I've done this for more than four decades. And there's all these people that claim they're, they're experts. I've done this longer than most people, and I'm far from an expert. I would never, never consider myself an expert. That's why it's still an unknown. You know, there's stuff that still drives me nuts when I listen to other shows. Because I actually do listen to a lot of other shows. Uh, it, there's a lot of things that drive me crazy, but I still listen to a lot of other shows. And I was telling you, <laughs> I was telling you about the uh, the rock throwing thing on the other. Show. I won't name I won't name the show, but I was just I, I get a chuckle just thinking about that. Yeah. So on this other show, I, again, I won't mention the show, but this guy had been a researcher forever, and they were asking him, "What do you think the you know Sasquatch?" it has been reported that they tend to throw rocks at people. They were asking him, do you think that's playful behavior? Do you think that's a threatening behavior? You know, what is your take on it? And (laughs) I was laughing at his answer. He said, well, it depends on the size of rock they're throwing at you. If it's a small rock, (laughs) it's playful behavior. If it's a large rock, it's threatening behavior. And I'm thinking, you know, it's not like Sasquatch has rocks in his pockets and, you know, he's yeah, going to exactly. pull ones out of his left. <laughs> it's whatever is at the feet at the, uh, of the Sasquatch at the time, I would imagine. It's you like know, you said earlier, you know, if, if the pocket's on the left, you know, these are the playful rocks. The ones on the right pocket are the, <laughs> the aggressive ones. <laughs> Screams yeah. of flute player to me. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. You know, it's just like, really? Do they have a stash of rocks? And depending on the type of mood they're in, they're going to throw big rocks or small rocks at you. You don't exactly. think for two seconds it has to do with the type of rocks that are at their feet at the moment. And what do they but, use if they don't have rocks? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how would you describe that behavior then? You know what I mean? <laughs> Some of the things people come up with just amaze me. Just when I thought I've heard everything, 
somebody will come up with something new. Yeah, there seems to be lacking some common sense, I think, in a lot of this field, you know, with uh, regard to, uh, and again, with this field, what's funny is when people can't figure things out or there's no common sense to it, They'll make up people a just start making crap up. Explanation. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly they start, it. They start coming up with weird crap that they used to describe their <laughs> behavior. It's just like, really? I know I think it has more to do with the psychology of humans than it does the Sasquatch. <laughs> Well, I know we were going to go into more on the behaviors. Maybe we could go into that next week and throw our two cents in. Right. Which which is actually worth $35 and change, but. <laughs> <laughs> For people listening to the show, you can listen to the show on iTunes. You can download the app Stitcher. We're on just about every podcast player out there. More than just YouTube. I know it takes me a little while to upload it to YouTube, and I, you know, tend to get a lot of angry emails about why it's not on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people just don't understand, like we were talking earlier, the just the technicalities and the time it takes to do some of these things. You know, and they don't understand that you know we work jobs and you know we're we're not independently wealthy or anything like that. Uh, you know, like we were again talking earlier about uh, my being an author. Well. You know, I haven't sold millions of copies yet, so I, I can't live in leisure. I have to go work a job just like everybody else. <laughs> and, and you do too, of course. So, you know, and we don't make any money from this show. And uh, this is just out of our own enjoyment, talking to people who've had encounters and, and sharing ours with them and vice versa. So, yeah, You're not driving a Ferrari out there in the Hollywood Hills? Yeah, people have to have a little patience with us, you know, doing this. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll try and get it up on YouTube a little bit quicker, but it, it just takes a little bit of time because I have to reformat it to video format for YouTube. That's why it takes so much longer to to transfer. But um, be patient if it's on YouTube, but there's other ways to listen besides just beyond YouTube. So, Well, tonight we're supposed to have Bob Garrett on, and Bob's actually pretty sick with the flu. spoke to him yesterday, and he's he's uh, he's not doing so good. So if you're he out there listening, terrible. Bob, it's not really bad. So if you're out there listening, Bob, we hope you get well and take care of yourself and and uh, drink lots of fluids. I hope you uh, hope you get well soon. He, he will be back on sometime. Yeah, hopefully we can get him next week. Hopefully we can get him back on next week. Yeah, well, let's hope he's better by then. Yeah, of course. Uh, so our guest tonight is Pam. She's going to tell us about her account uh, back in 1972 in Arkansas. Yeah, it sounded more like a dogman encounter for what people call Yeah, and, and she actually had a really good uh, drawing that she made of what she saw, and it's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. we got to come up with a better name besides dogman. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just say the type three. Yeah, we can go with type. Well, dogman sounds more sexy than type three. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> we'll figure something out. We'll figure it out. The, the baboon We'll get man. back to it. Yeah, <laughs> baboon yeah, we'll, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get we'll get back to you folks on that one. We'll work on that one. We'll just we'll draw it up in the sand and get back to you on it. All right, well let's go ahead and bring Pam on. Thanks so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. No problem. Well, let's go into your account, Pam. Uh, oh. Now this was in 1972, correct? Yes, it was. Tell us what what were you doing prior to the incident that happened? Just sort of you know. Tell us about that day and sort of lead us into the events as they unfolded. Okay. Well, 
we had been down to Arkansas a couple times previously and in the Ozarks area and visited. We knew there was this big lake project about to open up. They had flooded this big valley and and it was going to be just a stunning recreational area. So we'd heard that, it, well, they started it in 1966, and it took them that long to complete it. It was just really huge, and it was called Beaver Lake Project. So we decided we were going to go down there for maybe four days and check it out. We were Army brats, so <laughs> we traveled all the time, and we would take weekend trips and just uh, jump in the Volkswagen van and, you know, find a nice stream and camp there. My brother was 16. He was going to go with us. Uh, I had a two-month-old and a 14-month-old at the time. My husband was going to do all the driving in this 67 or 68 Volkswagen van. I can't remember which it was. But uh, we we drove down there. It was a long day. We were coming out of uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. We got down there, and uh, the park was pretty empty. It had just opened. And I believe we were the, one of the first people to sign into a campsite. That's what the ranger was telling us. We found this site. And either of you guys have been to the Ozarks, but it, there were a lot of these like sandstone, rocky outcroppings. And in this one outcropping area, it was kind of like a little horseshoe. They'd built this cul-de-sac with four little campsites in it, right in this, this, uh, rocky wall area and we thought wow this is just perfect you know no one's around there's a mile or two between us and anything so we pulled in there and it was afternoon we had a little lunch and my brother was going to sleep in the little pup tent right outside the van and the babies were sleeping up on the back cover over the engine compartment there was a ledge and uh, I was going to sleep on the back seat and my husband was going to lay on the van floor, and that was our camping rig. So we got there, we ate a little bit, wandered around the campsite. This campsite was uh, in a horseshoe, and where we were parked, we would have been, if you're looking at the horseshoe, as starting on the bottom left, going up into an arc and ending on the bottom right. We were on the bottom left leg of this horseshoe. And the road went right straight in the middle of it. So our site was up, uphill from the second site, which was downhill from us by about 20 feet. So we were up on a ledge, and then there was a site down below us, and then the road, and then two sites over on the other side by the right leg of this horseshoe. They had cleared it out pretty good, um, but there was a good line of, small brush between us and the second campsite, the one below us. And so we parked in the upper one. Um, I would say we were about 10 to 15 feet from the left leg of that horseshoe wall. There was only about 10 feet between where the van was parked and that wall. And then as the wall ran up the horseshoe, if you followed the horseshoe shape to the the highest peak, uh, the highest arch of the horseshoe, that would be where the road ended. We walked around there and we checked it out. We thought it was really, really uh, beautiful area. Up on the top of that ridge were some uh, pretty good-sized trees. I would 
think it was over 50 feet high. I, I would say it had to be over 50 feet tall. But uh, there were some pretty good trees up there, and you really couldn't see past anything on the ridge. There earlier, we saw there was a really good swimming spot uh, over by the, the dam. So the guys wanted to go swimming. And that's when this began to be the <laughs> the National Lampoon Ozark vacation, you could say. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong went wrong. They jumped in to swim. My brother realized that this, because of the heavy flooding they just had, there was a really strong undercurrent. And he came back to shore right away. He said he had a horrible time just getting back. And so my husband was just swimming like crazy farther out. And he didn't realize, he had no idea that he was going to have a horrible time coming back. And we couldn't, we couldn't get his attention, so we honked the horn on the van and he saw us. And we waved him back, so he started coming back. And long story short, he couldn't make it back. It was, it was like swimming in an endless pool. And he went under. My brother, got out far enough with a big long tree branch to to catch him and to get him to come up and grab onto it pulled him back to shore and he was completely completely waterlogged i mean he was just coughing and puking up water and so we thought well the vacation's over <laughs> jump in the van went to the ranger station they told us to go to rogers arkansas where they had a small hospital so we got there, and sure enough, he had pneumonia, and we were supposed to—he was supposed to stay there overnight, but he wouldn't do it. He didn't want to ruin the vacation. So we stayed there for a few hours, and it was starting to get to be around late supper time. So we couldn't talk him into staying. Went back to the campsite, and we were told by the doctors to watch him for the next 48 hours, and he was just going to sleep, 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 and that we would take. Bruce and I would take shifts and watch him, you know, as he, we'd check on him all night and wake him up every three or four hours. Uh, we got to the campsite and it was getting dusk and we ate sandwiches and beans on the campfire and he was just out. My husband was just passed out in a sleeping bag on the van floor. A few minutes after we got done eating and cleaned up, a pickup truck pulling a little pop-up trailer came into the camp site and we were just we just all looked at each other and went how did they even find this site <laughs> we thought we were out there all by ourselves and here they came but they pulled into that campsite that was down below us and it was about 20 a 20 foot drop to get down there uh from if sitting in our van looking down i could see the top of their truck over the brush if i looked over the brush this family with two little kids man and woman got out and they used their campering and they ate and they popped up their trailer and and we were all pretty quiet the I was getting the kids to sleep and husband was passed out ill on the floor he was in bad shape and my brother and I said we were exhausted as soon as it got dark he crawled into the pup tent and so I uh I closed everything down we got it all quiet and I laid down on that back seat with my head towards those two opening doors on the van. I kept awake and checked on my husband, woke him up, and he got up and coughed and ugh, drank water and shivered and went back to sleep. And I woke my brother, 
went out there and said, Bruce, you, it's your turn. i got to get some sleep. So he got in and sat in the passenger seat, and I went to sleep. And around 3.30, it couldn't have been more than a half an hour, I laid down, and then I heard a whole bunch of animal sounds that coming off the ridge up above us. Strange. I first I thought it was coyotes. I thought, well, there's a bunch of coyotes up there because there was these small yips and howls. Actually, at one point, it sounded like something was killing a rabbit. <laughs> and uh, there was a little screaming, and it made me edgy. But um, I laid back down, and I thought, well, you know, it's 3 in the morning. That's when creatures do their thing. And uh, I just tried not to think about it. And I was just about to drift off to sleep. And that's when there was this tremendous sound. I mean, a huge crashing bang hit the side of the van right by my head. I mean, I I sat bolt upright. I just, you know, you're in that half asleep state. And then all of a sudden you sit up and your brain tries to paint the picture. What was that? I, I remember to this day exactly what I pictured was great big giant softball would, would have been thrown at the van at about 100 miles an hour by a, by a pitcher and it would have hit that's that's about how hard it sounded that's and I don't know I I thought before maybe it was just cuz I was in that almost asleep stage that it sounded louder but my husband who had been full out passed out feverish he he jumped to his feet in that van and he, he jumped to a bent-over stance. And my brother, I heard the, the van door swing open. <laughs> he jumped in that car so fast from the pup tent. And we all just sat there staring at each other. And we I, A good 30 seconds, just like, did we all hear that? Did we really hear that? And my brother was looking out the front window. He got up into the front seat. He looked out the window and and uh, we're looking outside windows and it's just pretty dark out i mean you know it was it was almost light enough where you could see i'd say you could see 10 feet behind the van you could see around a little bit because our eyes were pretty good adjusted being asleep and uh, we just sat there and i mean my heart was in my throat because you just you know you're trying to picture what would do that and then i remember my brother looking down at the the campsite next to us, he must have thought, he was thinking, what are those people doing? He must have thought one of them came up there and banged on the, and then ran away or something. I don't know, but he kept looking down there, and he and, and I said, are those people awake? And he didn't say anything, and we're just sitting there, all of us just kind of shaking. And then my brother said that there was something moving in the rearview mirror. He was sitting in the passenger seat, and he happened to look in the rearview mirror, and he said, there's something moving out there. And, I mean, we, all of us, just spun to the back window. And I remember seeing a, just a large black shadow, just blacker than the rest of the surroundings, shot from left to right from the back of the van, just the just the huge passing cloud almost it was that fast and it was about it was between oh 15 20 feet behind the van and i would say it was about a third of the way to that rock wall between the van and the rock wall it was about a third of the way to that rock wall 
and you could it was just out just on the edge of what you could see where there was a difference between light and dark from from what you could see in the glow in the sky and it just shot we saw it go to the right and down i i don't know how to explain it except or else maybe it bent down but we knew it was going down the hill towards that other campsite now all three of us said did you see that did you see that yeah what was it I don't know and my brother was still looking out on the top of that camper and he said uh, he says I think it went down there to the camper we sat absolutely still we were afraid we were going to wake up the kids so we didn't say anything we were just sitting there and I remember just getting really shaky just getting the jitters just really getting jittery the kids actually started to wake up and stir and and I was like, oh, oh, not a good time, you know, come on, go back to sleep, go back to sleep, and cajoled them back to sleep. They they immediately went right back to sleep. I well, was trying to keep my head low, you know, I didn't want it, whatever was out there, to see me, I was up and had my head up. My brother said, hey, those people down there, they're moving around. And my husband peeked out the window, and he said, are you sure it's them? And I said, who else would it be, you know, and then we saw a little flashlight come on, and we saw some movement inside the, you know how you can see a light through the tent top, and we saw people moving, and then we couldn't see anybody really, but we could hear them. They were whispering and, and, and scuffling around a little bit, and they got into their pickup truck. The, I remember the man talking about talking to the little kids and saying, get in, get in, and they got in this pickup truck. And and they started picking things up around the trailer, and I think he was, I think he was actually unhooking the trailer. Now that I think about it, because I don't think they unhooked it when they pulled in. I think they just popped it up. And I heard, you heard those little people moving around, putting things away sounds. You know, little crunches and bangs and everything, but no lights. Just that one little flashlight. I don't even remember seeing if a light came on in the truck actually. We we talked about it later and we figured it was it was actually probably less than ten minutes and all of a sudden they just pulled out they turned their lights on and they just floored it out of there they left the camper there and they left they were flying down the road and that's when we were all sitting there going oh oh the thought actually went across my mind that maybe they had had some kind of domestic altercation like maybe they had gotten a fight. Maybe they had come up and maybe thrown something at our van or something because now they're mad and they're going to pull out. I mean, I was just trying to paint a picture that made sense here. Right about then, my husband and my brother Bruce, just out of the blue, opened up the doors and got out. And I, I was just like, <laughs> okay, they must think the same thing, that it was those people and stuff. But they stood around the the side of the van by the doors where where that huge sound came, and they were asking me, where do you think it hit? And I pointed, you know, right here, right by my head, right right by the, the opening door. And they searched and searched. They had the inside van light on. We didn't want to wake the kids, but they had it on, and they were looking with a flashlight, and we could not find one dent, not one scratch, nothing on that van. Honestly, we expected, like I said before, a softball-sized dent. They're, they're just, it was impossible that there was no dent on that van. You know, they were standing there maybe two, three minutes, so maybe 15 minutes after those people left. 
maybe that long total. And they were my my brother was saying jokingly that maybe there was a hillbilly who was kind of mad about the park being open because we'd heard there was some some people who were displaced to open this park and and that they were actually uh, causing problems. And he was joking around saying, yeah, maybe there's a hillbilly out here who wanted to freak us out, scared scared everybody out, you know. And we kind of said, yeah, right, you know. And now maybe a total of 20 minutes after that bang happened and the people were gone, we're just kind of, they're outside the two open doors standing there, and it's getting cold in the van. I didn't want them to wake the kids and get it too cold, so... I was like, guys, you probably should come on in and get back to sleep. And all of a sudden, I mean, just like that, there we heard sounds from the ridge, which would be right in front of the open doors of the van. That would be that bottom left leg of the big horseshoe ridge. And we all three, our heads all three turned right over there. And you could just hear crunching brush moving, rocks falling, just like somebody was scrambling down the hillside and knocking stuff loose and moving vegetation, you know, crackling twigs. And then after about 10 or 15 more seconds, it got really loud. It was like really loud pounding steps. You could hear a thump, thump, and then rocks and brush and the thump. I remember thinking, my goodness, how, what kind of a thing is walking on two legs that's that big? It sounded like a, a giant was walking down a flight of stairs real slowly, just boom, boom. But you could tell it was coming down that rock ledge and, and it was moving down and towards the arc of that horseshoe. In other words, away from the back of our van. So it was coming from the left and moving around to the back on the right. You could just hear it. I know. I I think one of the guys shot the flashlight up there, but we you couldn't see anything but brush and and little rock outcropping. I think he did that, but I can't really remember right now. But I think we did flash it up there. And the guys, we were just frozen. And then all of a sudden the guys eased into the van and got up into the front seats. I closed those back doors so quietly, and there was not a sound. I started shaking. I was like, what is going on? Somebody is out here trying to mess with us, and we're in this van. And all of a sudden, just as soon as he got in that front seat, I I, I swear, my husband turned the headlights on and pushed on the brake pedal so it would light up the area, but I didn't know he was going to do it. And I just, you know, jumped up. All that light flashed on all at once, and I thought I was going to jump out of my skin. And we all started looking where I realized what he was doing then, because there was the scuffling and the breaking twigs and the rocks and all that got really loud, and it was like it was right next to us. I, I remember hearing rocks hitting the fire ring and hitting the pup tent. It was that close that that stuff was getting shook loose from the ridge. And we were just looking around, looking around, looking around. And and in the glow around us, off to that front right of the van, halfway up the ridge, just like where our, our ears were telling us it was coming from. The first place we looked was right up there because that's where we heard the sounds coming from. And the lights from the old Volkswagen van lit up 
a pretty good thing left to right, a pretty good arc left to right. And, right. and that's when we saw about 25 up that, about halfway up that ridge, about 25 feet up that ridge, just where the the light barely reached what you would say is the legs of this thing. Uh, and only like 10 to maybe 12 feet from the looking out the van doors, that close, but up, was this hairy person thing coming down in steps off that ridge, just like like walking down the outcropping. I mean, all three of us were just like, I remember feeling like I was just going to crawl under the bench, you know, crawl under the back seat and say, let's just pretend like we're not home. And I, I just kept, I was just, just staring at it. I mean, we couldn't figure out what it was. I remember seeing the hair first because in the, in the light from the van's lights, the ends of the hair seemed to be silver tipped. And I guess that's where my brother got the idea of it being like a German shepherd's hair, almost, um, almost sparkly in the light. It, because it was so silver tipped at the edge, but the rest of him was pretty dark. As it came down, you could see more of it, and more of it got into the light, and I could see that it was really dark. It was a dark creature, but it had this silver streak down its back from its shoulders all the way down to its buttocks. And I couldn't see a tail. I don't, I didn't think there was a tail, because from what I could see, it was, it was just kind of bent half over and using its arm to push brush out of the way and steady itself against the rocks. But he was, he never quit moving. He was constantly coming down and going away towards the top of that horseshoe of that ridge. And sometimes he'd be on four legs and then he'd stand up and step down a couple steps. And so the further, the closer he got, the more he stepped down, the more we could see him in the light, but the further he was getting away, the less I could see of the front of him. All I could, I remember just staring at the face, staring at, trying to see it, if it was a, you know, I thought it was a person. It was a really, it wasn't like people describe Sasquatch like a giant football player. I would say he was about maybe seven feet tall when he stood up. He was really tall. He was, now I want I wouldn't say slim, but compared to what people say Sasquatch is, he was slim. He he reminded me of a if you had a a a really buff basketball player, but not giant shoulders or anything. But he did have this weird barrel chest that if I guess I could describe it as if if you look at a bulldog and he has that chest that comes out and then goes in to his waist. That stuck out in my mind, that that chest. And that's when I started thinking, is that an animal? And I, I was just kind of like, is that an animal or is that a guy? And I realized he had, he, he was completely covered with hair and there was no clothes. And he kind of turned a little bit. He made jerky head motions, and he turned. I remember when he when he first was coming down that ridge, he turned a little bit, and I saw that he didn't have any hair on his cheeks, on the side of his face, and he had kind of a. It's hard to tell because it was so dark, and you're in the light of a, a dim, sort of you know Volkswagen van headlight. But I think he had gray skin, light lighter gray skin, 
the crazy thing was he he looked like a human. I didn't see his eyes, but it was just a dark triangle for eyes. But his nose wasn't a human nose, and it wasn't a monkey nose. It was kind of a dog nose. It wasn't as long and pointed as a dog, but it was it was a square box snout. I would say maybe he weighed 250 pounds. Uh, when he went out of sight, and this, this whole descent didn't take very long at all, maybe two to three minutes from when we first heard the sound starting up at the top of the ridge until he was going away from us, I did notice the other weird thing was that when he turned, I know when he jerked his head back and forth looking at us and then looking back down, he had little ears on the side of his head, and I could just tell the outline of an ear, but the weird thing was he had little tufts of hair sticking up on the ear that made it look like, you know, uh, um, there's a there's a cat like a lynx or something that has those tufts of hair, or a bobcat has those tufts of hair up on it. Right at the top yeah. of their ears. Yeah. yeah, that's what I remember seeing on, on this ear. So I did not see a dog ear. And I can't say I saw a human ear. I just saw this this spot in his fur, which my brain said was an ear. And I saw the tuft. And when he turned, I could see that tuft move. That was the weird thing. I, I was like, what? <laughs> that's, not, that's not a man and that's not an animal. What the heck is that? And we were just, we didn't say a word. And then right when we lost sight of it, which would have been by the back windows of the van as it was heading towards the the far back end of the road, which would be the top part of that horseshoe ridge, right before we, we heard this big hoof and then a growl. I've been thinking about that, that it had to be pretty loud because we were closed up in the van and he was that far away. And yet it sounded like he was right outside the door. And it was a big, <sighs> and then this really gravelly, Grr. and that's when it finally struck me, that's some kind of animal. You know, I mean, I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's some wild animal. Uh, it, this is where the insanity hits. Now, this is because, i I got to say, it's got to be because one of them was 16 and the other one was 20, that they insanely just, my brother and my husband, opened the front doors of the van and jumped out. They jumped out after this growl and this menacing thing we just saw. They jumped out, stood in front of the van with their heads down, kind of like hiding and trying to trying to see it better. And they were asking each other, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see it? Do you see where it went? Do you know where it went? And they had the doors open, the van doors open, and that blocked the light that was going back there so if you could see anything, if they'd shut the doors and gotten away from the light, they might have seen something, but they were cowering in the front looking out. And, and just as suddenly as that, Bang happened on the the van, a complete hailstorm of gravel hit. I mean, it hit that car. It mainly hit the open driver's side door. It mainly hit that. It was definitely aimed at them. And it came from back where that creature was, from back there. And I mean, it was like a, oh, man, it was like gravel and dust. 
and it was, I would say, three or four buckets full, all at once, just in a huge shower, just a rainstorm of rock. Those guys jumped in that van so fast and started it up, backed out, and we were burning down that road as fast as a Volkswagen van with like 60 horsepower can go. But we were out of there. We, I remember not ever looking anything but out that back window the whole time because I expected we were going to be attacked. And, you know, I thought, I started thinking, is there more than one of these things out there? And this was about, this all, this whole thing took from, from the moment I laid down until this moment was maybe 30 minutes. It was all that fast. I mean, we were just shocked and stunned. We didn't, we didn't have time to react until the next thing happened. And we're trying to figure that out. And then the next thing happened. And so it was about 4 a.m. We, we left the park, drove for a long time and got out. I think it was Rogers, Arkansas again, where we found this little general store and they had street lights and we pulled in there and just parked there. And we get into this parking lot, and we all did. We turn off the van, and we're drinking water, and we're just uh, <sighs> like like we had run the whole way ourselves. And my brother starts saying, "I think that was a bear," but actually, it looked more like a German Shepherd. And I'm like, "Bruce, a seven foot tall walking German Shepherd?" And then he shakes his head and says, "Well, I don't know." And then my husband said, "Well, it had to have hands to throw all that rock." And then we were talking about how the hair seemed to be like like a German Shepherd's hair, I guess, you know, mottled patching, but that mainly the silver down the back and the silver tips that kind of glittered. But about 5 a.m., we passed out. Six o'clock, the store opened up, and the people were, they pulled in the driveway, a man and a woman, and I was feeding the kids and, you know, changing diapers and giving them a little bath and everything, and I was just wiped out. And I needed to go in and get a few items, so I went in, and I mean, I, I'm sure I look like a wreck. I mean, I look like a crazy woman, because <laughs> I'd been, been through a war zone, you know, and I, I walked in, and I asked them a couple of questions, like, you know, you know any reports of some mangy bears, or anything with, uh, how about, uh, and I was just postulating all these animals, you know, do you have any uh, rabbit animals? No. They just looked at me like I was nuts, you know, and and we left. And as we were leaving, we went to the ranger station uh, on the way out. I mean, this was like 7 a.m. that, that morning. We went out. We, we had paid for three days, and we were in there. We told the ranger about the incident. And he was like, what? I think he told us he was from Illinois or something. And he said, no, I just came down here for the opening of the park and stuff. And he said, well, I'll go up there and check out the site. And we said, just keep the pup tent and the sleeping bag. We're not going back up there to get it. It's yours. And he was like, well, I'll go up there with you. And we said, nope, we're going home. And we drove back to Leavenworth that day. And, and my husband was still with pneumonia. So we, we shared driving and so forth. And, you know, we never said, uh, we, we barely spoke. First, we'd speak. We'd do nothing but jabber about it, and then there'd be quiet. And one of us would say, well, what about, and then we'd jabber about it, and there'd be quiet. And then just before we got home, my husband and my brother said, whatever we do, don't tell anybody about this, because they're going to think we're on drugs. 
and he had a really good job, and my brother Bruce was going to go to veterinary school, and he had just got accepted early. He just graduated early from high school. I graduated early from high school, and he didn't want anything to mess it up. And he said, you know, if this gets out, and you know how these things get out, everybody's like, oh, that crazy Bruce, you know what he said. And so he said, please, let's make a pact. Let's don't say anything about it. And I was like, who would you tell anyway? You know what? What are you going to do? I mean, I felt weird talking to the ranger about it. And especially back uh, in those days, you know, you got made fun of much more quickly than today. I mean, you know, they just said, what are you smoking, you know? And and we were all young, so, you know, we were figuring, oh, man, you know, they're going to really think we're crazy. So we didn't say anything. We, We kept it quiet. We didn't say a word. In fact, I just keep trying to push it back, push it back. And then I started, you know, over the years hearing about Bigfoot and stuff, and I thought, now that must have been what it was, you know, a North American ape. But no, he didn't look like the Bigfoot. I could, I've never seen anything, any picture, any depiction like the thing we saw. And until, you know, I'm fascinated by the Bigfoot thing only because I've been trying to figure out, make this creature man thing that we experience fit into some kind of little category in my head so I can explain it. It never had. And then I was listening to your show and then I made a comment online and there were some links to the Dogman thing. Now, I know in the back of my mind it heard about Dogman or something, but I always thought werewolf, you know, because I think that's that's what I'd heard about was a werewolf. And I knew this was no werewolf. I, I wouldn't even have a million years have said this was a werewolf or even a dog, even though my brother kept saying, you know, I think it's like a German shepherd. Uh, It was, if you had not seen the head, you would have said it was a very hairy wild man. But having seen that head and the cuffs on the ears and everything, there's no way that was a man. No way it was a human at all. You know, it was about 30 years after that. I was talking to my dad and uh, he grew up, uh, in logging camps, mainly around Mineral, Washington. I don't know if you know where that is, but right, it's around right. Mount Rainier area. His dad was a railroad man, and they they logged, loaded the trains, and pulled them out and everything. And he, I mentioned to him, I said, Dad, did Bruce ever tell you anything about that camping trip in Arkansas we went to? And we came home early, you know, and Charlie, my husband, was really sick. And he said, well, he, he did say something about it. He said that... Uh, it was a bad camp out, and the whole thing was bad, and there was a very large creature and rock throwing. And he had asked my dad, I guess, about, you know, can a bear throw, do they scoop gravel at you, you know, and throw things? And and dad said that when he was growing up in those logging camps around Mount Rainier, that he was told as a little kid, like six, seven or so, you never went out into the tree line. You always stayed close to the camp. You just did not step into the tree line because the boss of the woods would come and get you or the old man of the woods. That's what he, he called it. He said, they'll take you as a slave and or they'll eat you. And he said the men working the camps would tell these stories and he would listen to them. When they thought he was asleep, he'd be listening to them. And he said, uh, they're cannibals, you know. And I said, but, Dad, I don't think what we saw was one of them, you know. And he said, but there are cannibals in the woods. And he was a totally serious military retired military man i'm totally serious for me to hear him say that i was like what <laughs> is this my dad you know he's a drill instructor a survival trainer 
for him to say that, I was just like, uh, okay. Yeah. And he said, that's why when we go in the woods, we make lots of noise. I said, well, yeah, because of the bear and everything. He said, no, I'm not afraid of bears. Nope. You may, you, no. And you, that's why I taught you guys how to set up a camp. You never leave your back to this and blah, blah, blah. And after he told me all that, I was thinking about it. And you know exactly how he camped. We camp in a perfect not way to camp. <laughs> the way he taught us not to. We were back to the wall. And if there were one or two or more of those creatures, and they'd wanted to, I'm sure they'd have had us. Because we were in that little horseshoe. It was like a setup. And I remember hearing another one of your guests talking and saying that he felt like he'd been set up. Had we known there was an old man of the woods or a boss of the woods or a cannibal there, we never would have pulled in there in the first place. And we would have parked differently secondarily. And we would have gone in with weapons. Wouldn't it taken an infant, two infants with us, and a sick man? We were like, we were like prey. The weak, the young, the old. We were just sitting there. And the more I thought about it, as I was writing it out, I was like, oh, you did absolutely everything you never wanted to do. And I often wondered about the people who boogied out and left their pop-up camper there i know they i know they left because of that there's no two ways about it there was they left right during this incident you know i often wondered what happened to them you know, because that creature we saw the the shadow before we knew what it was we saw the shadow go behind our van and went down there the next thing we know off to our far left so he must have circled around the front got to that lower left leg of the horseshoe and but but he started down the ridge so that's when i started thinking maybe there was two of them one that was coming down the ridge and one that was already down there when you were describing the it hitting your van yeah i almost wonder if it came up and it slapped your van or it banged on your van it wasn't a rock it was actually that's one coming up like. Yeah, that's exactly you know, an open-handed slap. That's right. what we thought after the guys got out and looked, and there was absolutely no damage. And that was just impossible to us, that there was no damage, because the impact was like a meteorite. You know what I mean? There had to be damage, and there was not a dent, not a scratch, nothing. So you're right, it was like an open-handed slap and run. I know a lot of the flute players talk about the rock throwing as being playful, but I, you know, in your situation, it's not, uh, actually, I can't think of any situation that seems like it's playful, but it, it just seems like the same behavior over and over and over again that we hear. It, it's a even challenge. For, yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, a it challenge. was obviously a challenge. It threw, I mean, it was, it was trying to provoke, you know, you into an accident and you guys left, which was, I think, the right course of action in that case. On on the nose that you said wasn't really a like a snout like a dog snout was it remotely like a um, a baboon type nose? Was it you like you know I didn't see it well enough. I I really can't say. And you know the drawing that I sent you, the picture of it coming down the hill. That's mainly what I saw. I drew the close up after what my husband and my brother said. Mm -hmm. they're the ones who saw that face 
I saw the face of the, the smaller drawing of it in the background. So that nose in the background, it's just, you know, I noticed it was different. It was a box on the face. And kind of they told me, yeah, protruding, oh. but not coming to a point and right. not having a snout like a pig. I drew what, what they told me and it was kind of a elongated, well, like if you took a man's nose and upper lip and puffed it out about two and a half, three, four inches and right. squared it off at the end. Uh, kind of like a bamboo. Yeah. So yeah, not, Apish, but when you see those baboons with the great big bulbous nose, I don't know what right, kind right. of ape it is, right. but it comes out and comes to a bulb. If that was squared off, that that would be what what I would guess. I think that's the proboscis monkey. Yeah, you're right. You're right. If it wasn't quite that long, and if it was squared off, not bulbous at the end. It definitely had hair on the sides of this nose, like a dog's, you know, really short. Because you could see the hair glisten. And it was unusual hair. It was, um, it was, um, it was not, it was like a German shepherd's hair, where it started out dark at the body and then got light at the tips. Because it really, you can see it move. You can see his muscles move, and when the waves, the muscles move, the tips would sparkle. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of your descriptions is, is the same descriptions that Will and I get as far as what the Dogman looks like, and they tend to be more violent, or it seems like the encounters that we get from them is they tend to be a little bit more violent or a little bit more aggressive than than your typical Sasquatch like we have in here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and you know... But a lot of your, your descriptions are right on, though, exactly what I've oh, heard. Wow. Well, it's kind of reassuring, you know. To know that yeah, and people people are really just starting to open up about this particular type of creature. We we get a lot of the type, of course, the type one, the Patterson type Sasquatch, and the type two. But this one is something that people, you know, I, I think it's it's been around, you know, for a long time. But uh, since we've been talking about it, people are starting to uh, open up a little more about these. I I would think it's it's easier to misidentify as something. Yeah, absolutely. Else. So you you just kind of don't want to think, is that what? <laughs> yeah, that's what? that's definitely you know Bigfoot's bad enough, but if I see something like this that's different, you know you really want to suppress that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. It, it, <laughs> Will and I were just joking about that. We're like, you know, Sasquatch is bad enough. It's this Dogman thing really creeps the hell out of us. It does. <laughs> it. I don't know why, but, uh, uh, well, because Sasquatch is more elusive, and like you said, it isn't always on the attack, but this thing was always on the attack. He was always aggressive. He was, and he wasn't shy. He came down that side of that hill, and he didn't care if if we had the car lights on, or, you know what I mean? He wasn't retiring back into the bushes so we wouldn't see it. He was definitely on the attack. He was on the march, and he just, you know, and his head was, another thing was his head turned. Uh, I hear I I've heard a lot of your guests say that you know the head doesn't turn the whole body turn. This definitely had a twitchy head. His head was twitching like an animal. The typical Sasquatch, you know, the type the type ones, and I think the type two also. The head's lower set into the shoulders, yeah. like a gorilla. So they they're more apt to turn the whole upper body and and not have the range of motion that say we do with our neck. Right. And 
that makes sense. And I I always knew that that was very different too. And I kept thinking, golly, maybe it was a anomaly, you know, just a, a a really bad mix of genes out there, you know, that just well, you happened know, our, to be. Our, our, our friend, our government insider, Mr. Black, assured me, and I question him, uh, he assured me that is a separate species. Wow. Uh, and when I saw, after I looked at these sites, you know, the Michigan, or no, is it Wisconsin or Michigan, anywhere, it's, it's a Midwest thing. I wondered, have you guys heard of these, are these out here in the Pacific Northwest? Do people report them everywhere? Or is no, it just a... it, it typically seems to be within a 500-mile range of the Mississippi River drainage system. That would make sense. This would be really close, really right, close in there. Right. Your dad mentioned the term "boss of the woods," and I, and I, you know, I've heard so much over my many years involved in this that I, I tend to forget things. And like you said, you know, sometimes when you're writing down something, uh, your memory gets jogged. Or if, if I'm in a conversation, my memory gets jogged, and you jog my memory with that term. Uh, and I've known about that term for a long time, but when I was growing up, I grew up south of Puyallup, Washington, so um, yeah. was familiar with knew a lot of logging families and, and was around that as a kid growing up. And I, and I remember hearing on and off, you know, some of the, the men use that term, but I, I, I just thought... You know, as a kid, you think, oh, that's just, you know, the boss of the logging crew. But they would, yeah. they would use the term boss of the woods. And I never knew, it never occurred to me what they were talking about. Yeah, Dad, Dad t- just absolutely just blew my mind. He just said, well, you know, we were and, told. And you know, those loggers, they never talked about those things to outsiders. No. Again, you know, you, you they would think you were drinking. Or, uh, you know, you just you, you prove it. You know, unless you had proof, you just, I don't think he would ever have mentioned it. But he, he clearly said, you know, oh, they're the boss of the woods, and that's what they told us. You stay away, the boss of the woods. And the funniest thing I was going to say is, he said, or they'll take you as a slave, or they'll just eat you. And I thought, what would they do? <laughs> How do you slave for a Sasquatch? <laughs> I, I, think I don't want to know. Have, that may have come from the Indians. Oh. But uh, I... I I, it's probably more likely that he would eat you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, the slave part would have been the good ending. Uh, yeah, but, you know, years later I'm thinking, what would a Sasquatch, what does he need a slave for? You know, but um, I remember I wanted to mention other people saying that they don't like dark windows. Was it you, Wes, that was saying that? You don't no, like the windows I... at night? No, no, no. Uh, that was, I, I think it was our like... last yeah, it was the last guest we had on. Uh yeah. and he didn't like he didn't like windows at night, dark windows. And that that really struck me because I think I and looking back I think that's when it started for me. I don't Oh, those dark windows are creepy. Well, you know, after I had my first encounter I, I was a little nervous around windows too at night. And I would really? stay away from open windows. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very vulnerable feeling. You're just like, Okay, if I see it then what? Well, it's it's a feeling like you're on the inside of the fishbowl. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm in the zoo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So you say that you believe the wildlife is getting bolder. Do you think that then these North American apes are getting bolder? Yeah, I I think so. 
I mean, our behavior has changed a great deal from, you know, look how, look what people were doing 30-plus years ago. I mean, I remember as a kid taking my 22 or 12-gauge out, you know, and shooting birds or whatever. My dad would tell me to shoot whatever animals came in the yard because they might be rabid. Right, exactly. And people kind of stopped doing that. It, it became a thing that was sort of a negative if you went out and did it. So now animals aren't as afraid of people as they used to be. That's a really good point. You're very right. That's probably got a lot to do with it. But it does seem like there are more reported sightings, and I don't think it's just because people think it's okay to do it now. I think it's because they're either bolder or there are more of them or people have infringed on their territory and are seeing more of them. Well, there's a combination there, and, and like the numbers, I think the numbers are actually increasing. And the reason I say that is because now, you, now you're in Oregon, right? Yeah. Now you yeah. know about well, you've seen plenty of logged areas, and everybody, oh, yeah. everybody thinks we have you're them all right around us. Just gone. Well, look at all the brush that grows up after they've yep. logged an area. Yep. All the leafy brush that normally wouldn't be there because the timber would block the sunlight out for that stuff. Yep. Well, that stuff has created so much food for deer and other animals that eat that kind of plant life that ah. I, don't, I don't know about Oregon, but I know in Washington they, and I'm sure it's probably the same. They've called the deer population an infestation. It is. It is an infestation. Hunting is less, and there's a, just a huge population boom in those animals. We know if deer if deer have uh, exploded in population numbers like that, so have all the other animals, which means the predators have also increased. That makes sense. And yeah. that's why we're I, seeing more cougars and things like that, so the Sasquatch population has to be corresponding also. Yeah. Because I, I remember my dad saying, you know, when the pre- when when an area is over-predated or predated, the predators drop in number. Right. They just they it's just a natural thing. They just drop in number. So that's the opposite is true. And we yeah, certainly right. have a bazillion deer and elk. I mean, oh yeah, no I mean, any, anybody who lives in the northwest can see the logged areas and and not the fresh ones, but the ones that have been you know growing up for a little while. Uh, how how thick they are with leafy vegetation. Oh, yeah. And, and it just makes all the, you know, the herbivore populations explode. Yeah, that that really, that really, that rings true. Um, I see it here, that's for sure. There's a lot of open right. meadow land right. now, and, and it's uh, blackberries and shrubs. And then there you go, you have more berries. And, and berry it's all, those areas also make better hiding places for, like, oh, yeah. deer and such. Because yep. it's harder for predators to get in at them, number one, without making noise, and just a tangle of brush is harder for them to get through, so they have an easier, easier chance to escape. So it's 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 done a lot of things to the animal population, so I really think that the Sasquatch population has to be getting larger. Yeah, it's just totally off balance. It, the whole This whole talking about this thing, um, when I wrote you, I told you it was it was almost cathartic. I mean, it was almost like reliving the whole thing. I mean, I felt wiped out when I got done writing it. It was just like an emotional, ah, there it's out, you know. It's a relief, <laughs> right. Yeah, a relief, yeah. It, and I can't healthy. tell you how many people have contacted me, and oftentimes they want to remain anonymous because their, their jobs or, or some uh, exposure, but... Uh, you know, just getting it off their shoulders is enough. And I still, I always say this, but I think it's easier for somebody who's had an encounter to talk to somebody else that's had an encounter. 
Oh, most definitely. Ra- rather than somebody who hasn't, because they can't really relate to it. Yeah, or you, you know, I picture they'd just be nodding their head saying, really, 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 yeah. and you like don't Wes know. Like and I know, we've had very different types of encounters, but we've still, you know, been very close to these creatures. So, and it, 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 it's almost, uh, when you talk to somebody else that's had an encounter, it's sort of like that instant rapport. You can, you, you just start, you know, you can, you can just tell, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you start exp- uh, sharing those experiences and, and like, yeah, you know, I saw that or, yeah, I saw this or this happened and it, it is a release though. Really, uh, it's helpful to get that off your shoulders. Well, when I heard Wes and Woody's account, I, I remember really identifying with that emotion. Really, I could just put myself in their place and I thought, you know, this was not a fuzzy, warm, let's I'm just pet very the glad Woody. I wasn't in their shoes. <laughs> no kidding. And, and that's exactly, you know, how we felt. We felt that same confusion. Freezing, like I said, we went from one second to the next, just trying to figure out what the last second was, and we were just literally just frozen, just going, "What is that? What's happening now? What do we do?" And and the terror, you know, it 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 was a long thirty minutes, and uh, it's lasted forty two years. <laughs> It it was a terrifying thing. It was not a fun thing. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're ever fun experiences. I know, and I I I see everybody. You know, you you see the ads and things in the shows where they're racing around the woods hoping to find one, hoping to see one, and I'm thinking, I, I think I'm hoping they don't kooks. find me. Yeah, I, I think there are a bunch of damn kooks who grow out and act like that. <laughs> I do too. I think that's insane, you know, it's, it's, uh, oh, that's, people that's jump off very, bridges. It's a very naive approach. That's it. That's the word for it. It's very naive. Very naive. Oh. I really wanted to thank you for coming on and sharing your encounter with us. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, you guys. And if it helps somebody else, I mean, if someone else out there is saying, I don't know what I saw, but it wasn't that, you know, maybe they'll get that that moment of aha that I got. Well, great encounter, and uh, we certainly enjoyed hearing it. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I really enjoy the program. Oh, thank you so much. And I'll be listening. <laughs> All right, Pam. <laughs> well, you have yourself a great night. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Pam. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, she did a good job. Yeah, it was good. It was a good encounter. It was a um, scary encounter. It was. It was very good. One thing. One thing that made me wonder is almost if that thing was luring, trying to lure them out. You know, I tend to think that's what was going on. I mean, trying to get the two guys to follow it or follow, because you know, the right. minute they and, stepped out, the rocks and, and came. And we've heard and we've heard that before, where these things have tried to lead, you know, people off, you know, probably into some sort of ambush. I mean, the slap on the van could have been, you know, that that initial. Um, that's sort of a challenge. That was that first right. challenge. And then, you know, it coming down in the open like that was a challenge, just like the one you guys saw, you know, kind of brazenly up there. You know, all, all these elements, we've heard these things many times. Yeah. I know when she first mentioned it, slapping, or it sounded like a softball size thing hitting the uh, side of the van, the first thing I thought of was, I bet it's slapping the side of the van. Like you hear them slap Absolutely. the side of houses and bang on Absolutely, houses. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly, that's a good point. We've heard that how many times now? Yeah, every time. I mean, it's it's so common. It's it's unbelievable. But 
you know, these dogmen, I mean, that one wasn't quite as, didn't turn into a violent encounter. It's probably because they left, but a lot of these dogman encounters seem to be more violent. Yeah, that's what seems to be the norm on these. It's not uh, never just a, you know, a chance encounter. They look at you, you look at them, and they wander off. It's uh, It always involves some sort of a, a violent situation or, or at least leading into a violent situation. Yeah, like they're coming for a fight. Right, right. Yeah. Makes you wonder what the other people saw when they took off. Yeah, and they left their camper. That's something we didn't ask her. Well, she didn't know. They left before anybody came back, so I wonder if they came back for their camper. Yeah, who knows? That's crazy, though, that they, they would just take off. That's fear right there. That's not... Uh, that's primal fear. You know, that's primal fear right there when you get in your truck and you just drive off, leave your camper. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us again, everyone. We'll have more great guests next week, and join us again for Sasquatch Chronicles. Music.